The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB, 1240 AM and 95.9 FM. My name is Gary Harding, and along with John Panneries, we will be your co-host for the next two hours on this Sunday evening, June 27, 2021. Um, on the show tonight, we will have Andrew Gross from Newsday and Paul Kreischer from Isles Talk. John, it's been a couple of months since we were on here, May 2nd to be exact. Has anything happened? I don't know. I, a couple of things, right? Couple yeah, of, couple it's, of small it's things. been a while, you know. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, when we were supposed to be on uh, in the beginning of June, I was I was sick as a dog and and couldn't uh, make it, and you weren't available. So um, yeah, it's been you know uh, this is going to be a definitely a two hour Islander talk show, and uh, we definitely are going to take calls between 8.30 and 9.30. So if you wish to uh, check us, uh, talk to us about uh, the last couple of months, uh, the interesting therapies. time. A little therapy, exactly. Uh, the number you can reach out to us is area code 516-623-1240. And before we really get into it, I want to remind everybody, you can follow this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit the website at WGBBSportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all the past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And lastly, if you don't already subscribe, and you should, subscribe to the podcast, WGBB Sports Talk. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you can find a podcast. And, uh, again, we're going to be talking to Andrew Gross. He's going to, he's going to be checking in in about 10 minutes um, to, you know, talk about basically the, re, uh, the reaction to uh, – you know, end of the season day, if you will, where they get to talk to the players one last time before they disperse. And, um, you know, John, it's been about a little under 48 hours since um, the final buzzer sounded off in Emily Arena. And I, I thought, you know, when it happened, I thought by now I would probably be over it. I'm not. No, it's the sting is still there. I mean, it's I, I really believed this was the year to go to the finals. Whether we would win in the finals, I didn't care as much as just wanting to get there. And and I I, I don't know. It was like sh- it was shock more than anything else. I I guess you fool yourself into believing, but yeah. There there's a guy on on Facebook. His name is Steve. And if anybody knows, um, it's been on the Real Islander Fans Facebook page. Everybody knows Steve. Steve is a a definite connoisseur and student of the sport. He still plays at a at a spry age, um, he, you know, when something goes on and people start complaining, he explains the game. I mean, he really knows his stuff, and he put, and he's also a um, a Photoshop guru, and he kind of put the two pictures next to each other of, um, I think it was Barzal basically with his head down on the ice when the game was over, and put it next to a picture of, I believe it was Dennis Potvin on the ice in like complete exhaustion in 1979 after the uh, Islanders lost to the Rangers in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs where the Rangers went on to take on the Canadians. And, um, you know, they both looked exactly the same. And, you know, you know, sitting back a little bit of time and 
letting people spew how they will, and we're gonna, I'm going to have some commentary about that too. Um, it, it seems eerily familiar, you know, the the emotion, the uh, the passion on their, uh, you know, in their voices oh, after gosh. the game, yeah. and even today as well, um, to what happened in '79, and you know, like I said, you know, I really thought. You know, once we got past Pittsburgh, I thought, you know, we've got a chance. We beat Boston five times. I really think we do. You know, despite what happened with the comeback, you know, I looked at Tampa and said, this team is beatable. Yes. You know, it, they're a different, you know, people say they're not as good of a team as last year. I, 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 I say no, I don't think so. I think they got a year better just like we did. No, that's what Trot said. Trot they got said a year better, a better just team. like we yeah. did. And, you know, I, I think they played them as hard as they possibly could, and we're going to take comments, we're going to take calls, and I know I'm going to disagree with people on Facebook, and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to opinion, and I, I really don't have a problem. But um, we'll we'll get in, we'll get more into that. But uh, yeah, I have a few comments yeah, too. <laughs> it's yeah, and, and it's we have the avenue to do it, so we're going to do it. So yeah. that, it's yeah. our show. We can say exactly. what we want. Exactly. <laughs> we we pay money to to, that's right, to, to be, be on this show, but. Um, you know, it's. I I really think they left their their game on the ice. You know, despite the fact they didn't score, I still think they left everything out there. You know, no, not one player didn't give their all. Yeah, and you know, it's a game of inches. I hate to use the, the old hockey cliches, but think about that. I mean, Barzell just missed, and who was it? Bo, Bo hit the post. Bo hit the post. Yep. You know, so. You know, the hockey gods just didn't smile. You know, what what are you going to do? I mean, I know, again, it sounds cliche, but that's the reality of the situation. But let me ask you this, John, and and you've always been very truthful with your responses, and and I'll take that. When you look at the end, the beginning of May, when the playoffs were starting, the way this team limped in, if you will, to the playoffs, would you thought in your right mind that we would have lost one nothing? At game seven of the semifinals, the way this team came in to the playoffs, I I believed in this team. I you know, and you can say whatever you want, but as a fan, having experienced under Trotz and Lou for the last three seasons, I just believe in the system. I believe in the team, and I felt we were going to go far. And just looking at the way things, you know, even before we, 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 we played a game against Pittsburgh, just the way the teams that made it and the possible, you know, who we could have played, I just felt that this team was destined to get to the finals. Okay. And, and I, you know, and I'm not making that up. No, I, really I felt that way. I mean, you know, as a fan, you always think, you know, oh, we can, we can go all the way. But the way they limped in, you know, and they did it the obviously the year before, but there was you know the difference being you had months of time before when the season ended on March 12th to August when the bubble started. You know, it's a different scenario. But I, uh, you know, I I'll say I'll say 90 percent as a fan, as a supporter, with my passion for the team, I thought we were you know we were going to do well. But there was something in the back of my mind said, you know, I just hope they don't limp. The same way, and when they were down two one to Pittsburgh, I'm going, oh no! I was like, these guys are gonna are gonna pull something bad, and and again, I, I didn't I said it to myself, I didn't say it to anybody. I kept the difference between me and a lot of other these keyboard cowboys is I kept it internal. I'm like, I just prove me wrong, 
Prove me wrong. I, I don't want to think that way. Prove me wrong. And they did just that. And I was really comfortable when we were down. I don't know why. I felt okay when we were down two to one in the Pittsburgh and even two to one the Boston. And I can't explain why. I, I guess I just, you know, like I, I was saying to you in the car, I, I listened to Barry's pressers every single, you know, after every single game and, you know, the ones they do at practices when they had practices. Mm-hmm. It just gave me a sense of he had his finger on the pulse of the team. And just listening to the comments from the players, I just, I, for some reason, I knew we were going to come back against Pittsburgh, and I thought the same way against Boston. You know, the Tampa was the only series that I, I had my, it could have went either way, because it just, you know, Tampa's the champs. Yeah, of You course. know, and they have that experience of winning the cup. Yep. All right, so we do have our guest on the line. Um, he has been covering the team for the last couple of years for Newsday. He does a great job, and of course they do their uh, little podcast as well. And it's Andrew Gross. Andrew, it's Gary and John here on WGBB Sports Talk again. We thank you for coming on tonight. I know you've had a a very busy last uh, seventy two hours, and we appreciate you uh, taking the uh, ten or fifteen minutes to talk to us tonight. Gary, John, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, you know, I know how passionate you are about this, so uh, no worries. Great talking to you, and. Uh, you know, uh, I'm still standing. So. Yeah. <laughs> so are we. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> so are we. Um, you know, I, I said it's still, I'm still having a little bit of pain, but, um, you, um, this afternoon or this morning, uh, talked to the guys in their, basically with their exit interviews. Just, um, give us your overall impression on how, um, how the mood was. Uh, obviously, we know Friday night from watching it, how the, you know, the raw emotion of, of the season ending, you know, the way it did. Um, what was the, what do you think the, uh, the makeup of the guys was, uh, you know, after 48 hours of, uh, letting things sink in and, uh, the attitude of the guys as, as they were talking to you? Um, I, I would say still hurt, you know, um, they, this is, they really believed, I think they really believed they were going to win a Stanley Cup this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they know, they know they could, they know they could still can. Um, you know, and, and when it all ends, you know, one nothing, boy, you know, so, so close. Even if, you know, I think we all think the lightning outplayed them in that game seven, even though it was one nothing. Um, it, it really is one play here, one play there. Um, so, you know, I, I think the guys are, you know, still stung, but, uh, you know, kind of with their backs up and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty adamant that there's going to be more of the same next season that they're they're not going anywhere and and there was also a lot of talk you know shutting down the coliseum but now that they're going into their brand new castle there (laughs) um i think they're a a a pretty proud group you know i I heard this somewhere today you know new arena back-to-back appearances in the conference finals you know that the islanders aren't this little mom and pop like joke of a team anymore they are one of the legit best teams in the nhl and and i think this is something those players have been wanting for a long long time one of the players referred to the dark days and and he meant the dark days before lou lamarillo and and, and barry trotz and 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 i know i'm rambling on but one other thing that that came out that i should mention and it, it was a real quick um, thing during Matt Martin's media availability where he basically said, you know, you cannot underestimate the importance of establishing a culture. 
and uh, he was he was referencing Lou and then Barry coming in and really teaching these guys how to be professional, how to conduct themselves, what the expectations were, you know, everything from no facial hair to, to wearing seats, suits on the road to, to feeling like a professional team. Matt says you cannot underestimate how that translates to acting, you know, like a professional team. Absolutely. And, and you know, Take a question, because Friday night, take, how painful, you know, I know you, you cover the team as a media person. How painful was it, though, to listen, in, you know, with these guys like, uh, um, uh, you know, Matty Barzell and, and, and Bre- uh, Brock, Nelson. Brock Nelson's interviews? I, I tell you, I was choked up listening to these guys. I felt their pain as a fan, and I know, you know, I don't play any of that stuff, but... Just the emotional level. I, I was really choked up listening, especially, was it Matt? Matt was Matt. the one who was saying about the veterans. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the moment that, you know, I think got most of us. When, when Matt Barzell said, you know, it wasn't about him, it was looking at guys like Andy Green and Josh Bailey in the dressing room and seeing the hurt on their faces you know, mm-hmm. for for not going through. And I think that's something we can all relate to, um, you know, just being denied something you want so badly and, and you think you, you almost deserve, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, no, and, you know, I, I remember I was thinking back to when they lost to the Lightning in, in six games uh, up in the Edmonton bubble. And, uh, I, you know, my, my leads, to, to the elimination game losses were very similar. In game six, I described, you know, Anders Lee's, Anders Lee's raw emotions after game six mm-hmm. and, you know, how his eyes were reddened and, you know, there was, you know, pure emotion coming out. Um, a little bit of anger, you know, losing so close to the Stanley Cup final. And then off of game seven, uh, you had to lead into it with, with Matthew Barzell's raw emotions. Yeah. So, to me, very, very similar. Uh, Barzy, you know, here's the thing, you know, like, I, I, you look at Anders Lee, grown man, he's a father, he's got his own kids, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at Matthew Barzell, and I know he's making more money than I can conceive of, right? <laughs> but but he's he's the same age as, as my daughter, you know, and, and I'm just picturing my own kid being distraught in that moment and, and how heartfelt that would be and how you would feel. Right. So, you know, that that's sort of what got to me there. Yeah, I, I was just going to add on to that. I was just going to say, you know, the situation that Matt, you know, he had a great last two, you know, started out struggling, had a great last two series, you know, the obviously the issue in Game 5, which I love Barry's line just saying it was a 24-hour flu. But to me, just looking at that minus the emotion, but I just think in just the appearance, not only on the ice, but the appearance even off the ice or in the bench or whatever, it seems like Matt has taken not one step up, but I think two steps up in that maturation process. And do you, I mean, it's my feeling and I, I would think it might be on, you know, most of the fans and maybe yours. Does this you, you th- think this is a great springboard into maybe Matt becoming you know this 
real potential superstar that everybody thought he was going to be when he got drafted, you know, when, you know, five years ago. Yeah, and, you know, and Barry was asked uh, pretty directly the, the same sort of thing, you know, whether Matt stepping up and, you know, showing his emotions like that, whether that signals that he is now kind of matured into one of the team leaders. And, you know, Barry, and again, Barry said, don't read anything into this because there isn't. But, you know, he was, he said Matthew is, is clearly part of the group of leaders on the team. And, but, but Barry was making this point, like, you know, a lot of, you know, certainly the guys who wear the letters there, you know, like I mentioned, Anders Lee, Cal Clutterbuck, Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, those kind of guys, a little bit older. And also, they're all family men. They all have wives, and, uh, you know, they all have kids. And Barry was talking about how that part of a person's life, you know, you, you, you step away from the hockey, that part of a person's life helps you become a leader as well. Right. So Barry joked, maybe maybe we just have to marry Barzy off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, no, uh, Barry talked about the strides Matthew Barzell has made. Barzy talked about the strides he's made under Barry. And, uh, look, he's, he's not, uh, you know, a fresh-faced rookie anymore. You know, he's, he's 24. He, he's literally in the prime of his career at this point. So, you know, at a certain point, we stop talking about development and we start, you know, just looking at, at, at what he is right now. I, I still think he certainly has another level to take it to. Um, I, I also think it, it, it depends strongly on who he's playing with next season. Right. That's that's an absolutely great point. Because you know who knows, you know who knows. Yeah. But you know, taking talking about Barry. I mean, I was talking to Gary about this on the way here. I'd love to have Barry Trotz as my my business and life coach. I mean, yeah. the guy is just amazing, and in, in his pressers and the things he says, and just that positivity. And that coolness and that calmness and the way he, he sort of interprets things just totally blows my mind and always makes me like, I listen, I listen to every single presser just because I wanted to feel good walking away from that game, even whether we won or lo lost, you know. How do you, I mean, you know, being involved with the team, how, how have you seen these guys respond? Is he like a father figure? Because I've heard, who was it, Dennis Potvin, somebody was comparing him to Al Arbor. Oh, you know, a lot of a lot of the Islanders alumni from the dynasty years. Um, it, it's amazing you talk to those guys, and they say, you know, there there are some differences, but they see so many similarities between Barry Trotz and and Al Arbor that it's almost eerie to them. And you know, Al Arbor was a, a tremendous father figure to those guys. I mean, he could be tough, and he could be you know, stern and, and all that. But what those dynasty players remember most is just how much Al Arbor cared about them as human beings. And not only that, how much Al Arbor, and you, you throw Bill Torrey in there as well, how much Al Arbor cared about the players' family. You right, know, that's it, it. everything was included. And I'm telling you, Barry Trotz is exactly the same way. Um he, he builds relationships with the players and, and it's not BS. It's not, you know, coach, 
you know, a means to the end, you know, knowing that if you establish a relationship, maybe you get 10 more goals out of the line. It, it, it has nothing to do with that. Barry cares about people because he's a people person. Mm, absolutely. And, and he's incredibly grounded. And what, what I like about Barry is he has a great perspective on life. Um, you know, you, you guys know this. His, his youngest child, uh, his, you know, the son he still has at home, mm-hmm. is is a special needs child, yes. right? So Barry, it, it's you know, it's humbling in a way. You know, and Barry has spoken about you know when he goes home, he's dealing with stuff. You know, he's dealing with stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect him to be dealing with at this stage of his life. You know, being almost sixty years old. And I I think, and, you know, Barry obviously adores all his children, but, you know, is very close with his special needs son, and I think it really, really grounds him um, in in what the priorities in life really are. And, you know, that's what he's always telling the players, right, that, yeah, you know, it it, it stinks that they lost game seven. But Barry is, you know, and and it's hard for fans to, to hear this, because fans are very fixated on what the results are. You know, to, to the Islander fans, the, the raw emotion is you lost the game seven, you were one game away from a cup final, and this organization hasn't sniffed the cup since 1984, which is, you know, 37 years ago, back when all of us were, were young, right? So, um, you know, for but Barry always talks about, you know, the journey, not yes. the results, and, and yes. the moments that you remember, you know, and, and, and 10 years from now, yeah, the players are going to be bummed that they didn't win the cup, but they're going to have these great memories of, you know, and Ryan Pulak and, uh, you know, uh, these guys were talking about the chills they still get from thinking about it. They're going to have the memories of, you know, game four uh, at Nassau Coliseum, yep. you know, Ryan Pulak saving the game yeah. in the final second. They're going to have the memories of, of Game 6, which now stands as the last ever playoff game at Nassau Coliseum. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll say that, you know, fans shouldn't be throwing beer cans on the ice, right? That That's a general rule. But in, in this moment, that's going to be a cherished memory for all these mm-hmm. fans. Right, so, and that's for sure. That's how... How crazy the Coliseum was in that instant, and, and, and the love they felt from the crowd, and, and the love they felt for the crowd, and, and how you know it, it, it's been built up as such a family. And, and you know what? I, I think the players understand all of that much better um, as a result of Barry Trotz being their coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a typical old-time expression. He's a real mensch, and that's and that's the <laughs> yeah. best way you can say about it. But let's just switch gears now. We talked about how great, you know, you know, how great Barry Trotz is. But right now, looking at you know today, June twenty-seventh, and looking to the next four or five weeks, the the, the person that's going to have the most. Uh, most inf- you know stuff on his head is going to be the uh, the Jim Gregory Award winner Lou Lamorello and and what a difficult job he's got to do because we all know the situation you know they're above the, they were above the cap this year and had the relief because of Andrew's injury but now you're looking at right now next season where they've only got about five million dollars to play with you've got a couple of major 
RFAs you got to sign in Bo and Pellick and uh, and Sorokin, plus unrestricted free agents, plus the the, the expansion draft. I wouldn't want to be in Lou's shoes right now, and I know, you know, and you, you obviously yourself see it in all the comments that come to you or, or you see on Facebook or any of the Twitter or anything else. He's going to have the hardest job I can ever imagine come these next four weeks. Yeah, you know, and, and the one other thing that came out of the breakup day today was there was a lot of Casey Sezikis talk because now everyone is being smacked with the reality that, you know, there's a very good chance Casey Sezikis just played his final game as an Islander, which is, you know, it's a little jarring just because of how the organization, you know, relies on him to to be an identity setter. And and where do you go? You know, especially with Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, if, if Casey Sezikis isn't a part of this moving forward. And, you know, that's not to say that everything is, you know, that there's been a decision made and, and Casey is not coming back. But just when you look at the raw numbers, yeah, there are a lot of players that need to be signed and not a ton of money to be thrown around. I mean, Adam Pellick, you know, he's going to go probably very close to the $5 million that Ryan Pulak got, right? Right, and he's yeah. making one six now, right? Yeah, and... Yeah, exactly. So that that's a huge jump. And then Ilya Sorokin, um, you know, on a $2 million deal now, um, you know, I, I'm sure his agent is going to say, well, this is a guy that's, you know, I know Varley played in a lot of the playoff games, but really this is this is a tandem. This is 1A and 1B, not, you know, a 1 and a 2. Yep. So and I have to agree with Sorokin, <laughs> Why should Sorokin not be getting the five million that Varlamov is getting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of money to pay for two goalies if that's where it shakes out. Even if you know Sorokin comes in at three point five or three point eight, um, now you're devoting you know say eight to nine million for two goalies, and, and that's a lot more than most teams do. So you know where where do you find the money to bring back Casey Sezikis and Especially since you figure if he hits the open market, teams are teams are going to pay a premium for that kind of grit and energy and leadership, right? I mean, right. that's for look, sure. If, if you describe the type of player Chris Drury is looking for for the Rangers, it's Casey Sezikis, and yeah, I think you can say the same thing about the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you know. So I, I just there's going to be a lot of competition for Casey. If he hits the open market, I don't think the Islanders are going to be the one offering him the most money. And you so, can only hope that know, he takes he, a hometown discount, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was not ready to talk about it today, which is convenient because we're not going to talk to him again, you know, until free agency. Right, so, right. Um. You know, so there was a lot of Casey Sezikis talk. I, I thought Cal Clutterbuck had a great line where he said, you know, he's just Casey. You know, especially when I'm being grumpy, you know, yes. he can be the, he's the puppy dog, you know, mm-hmm. to, to kind of break everyone's moods. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, you're absolutely right. You know, it's June 27th and between now and August is going to be incredibly busy it's funny everyone comes up to me you know my mom and you know friends oh the season's over you know now it's you know you guys 
it's it down to clown time for you, right? I'm no. like, no. No, not, not even close. I'm, I'm going hard at this right through August 1st, probably. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be an absolute crazy time. Well, listen, Andrew, we really appreciate uh, you joining us for a few minutes. Um, you know, you're always a great friend of uh, at least for John and I. Um, try to take some time. I know you you'll get a little bit of time with your family, but uh, again, we enjoy reading your stuff yeah. on Newsday. You're a great source of information, and you know, and try to have yourself a good summer if you yeah, can. Please do. <laughs> well, you guys as well. And the amazing thing is, you know, this is. This is a deep run, right? This is a deeper run than most Stanley Cup Finals runs. So you're going to, you know, we're going to put down the pen and close our scorebooks, and the next thing you know, it's going to be September and we're opening up training. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's it's going to be a very quick turnaround. So, uh, and, and, you know, another thing that Barry mentioned today was, you know, Get ready for the Islanders to start next season with a pretty long road trip. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we're gonna we're gonna actually talk about that in our in our next segment. Yeah, but it looks like it's gonna be November before we get a a game at UBS. But like I said, and uh, again, Andrew Gross at Newsday. Please make sure you subscribe to his podcast as well as his Twitter handle and get the latest information on all things Islanders. Again, Andrew, thanks very yeah, much for thanks, joining Andrew. us on WGB Sports Talk, and we'll, we'll definitely uh, talk to you once training camp starts. Absolutely, and I'm glad I could uh, provide a UBS teaser for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Take care. Be well, guys. Great talking to you as always. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Again, Andrew Gross of Newsday. Uh, Again, we're going to take your calls this segment coming and the next segment coming. So between 830 and 930, if you want to reach out to us at WGBB Sports Talk, the number is 516-623-1240. Make sure you check us out, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Stay tuned. to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And Gary and John back on Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB, 1240 AM, 95.9 FM. Uh, we Again, uh, you want to give us a, a call to the show. The number to reach us is 516-623-1240. Again, we thank Andrew Gross from Newsday. He's always been a great friend of the show, some great insight. And um, it's, uh, like I said, it's, you know, we're still, you know, John and I are still dealing with it along with all you uh, out there in Islander Nation. It's been a really rough weekend for us to swallow. You know, it was that close. But like I said, um, and, and like what Andrew said, you know, this team is has got a lot of positivity to think about. You know, regardless of what happened, what you think players should have been on the ice or off the ice or what have you, this team had a wonderful playoff run, and, you know, they're getting closer and closer, and, you know, they can smell it. 
we can smell it, and you have to appreciate what's coming up on the horizon. You know, a brand new arena. You know, um, the opportunity. You know, for players to see that it's going to be a lot different coming to the the rink. You know, on Long Island. You know, it's not going to be you know going to the Marriott and going to the you know the dump in Uniondale. It's going to be a state of the art palatial place. Yeah. And pe- players are going to look at that and say, "Wow, you know, I'd like to play there." Exactly. So you know, things are going to be better. But as John and I were talking while we were on commercial, uh, we both have a little couple of rants to talk about. And like I said, since we pay for airtime, we have the right to do it. So. John, I'm going to leave the floor up to you. It's yours. Go for it, man. Well, I mean, you know, to me, and maybe I'm just being general generalizing here, but to me it, it seems just reading blogs and, and so forth, there's two types of Islander fans out there. And, and again, I'm, I'm kind of just like, you know, putting them in separate bunches because I'm sure you can, you know, you can kind of find middle-of-the-road gra- stuff, middle-of-the-ground stuff. There's fans that, to me, get it, and there are fans that don't get it. And what I mean by that is the fan who gets it understands that you have human beings that take the ice. There's a lot of things that go on. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the course of a game. And you're, you're vested as a fan of the team, and you're vested as a fan of the, of the 20 guys who take the ice. And, you know, as I was saying to Andrew... When, you know, listening to the pressers from the players, Matthew Barzell and, and, and Brock Nelson in particular and Josh Bailey, I, you know, I got choked up. And, you know, I could feel the pain and the emotion in these guys. And I love this team. I, I do. I think, you know, Lou and Barry have brought such professionalism and such faith and, and my belief in this franchise, a winning culture, as as some of the bloggers call it. Um, and I really believe we are so close to winning a cup, you know, and we could have done it this year. But the fact of the matter is we didn't. And that's, that's just the way it is. And you've just got to support this team and support these guys and understand, as Barry says, the journey. Th- for those of you old, or not, old enough to remember this, the Islanders of the cup days didn't win that overnight. You gotta take your lumps and you gotta take your beatings and learn how to lose as, as, uh, Al Arbor used to say. And, you know, I've heard Dennis Potvin and Mike Bossy and Bobby Nystrom kind of echo what they've learned losing those big games instead of winning them. So from that perspective, I just feel that this is just another step on, on the journey. And these guys believe in each other. They play for each other. It's a different feeling than a lot of other teams out there. And I'm not minimalizing or, or, or putting down any other hockey team and hockey fan. But, you know, with the Islanders, you could, you could just sense it from listening to the pressers and, and speaking to people who are around this team. These guys truly like each other. They, they truly believe in each other. They truly love playing here. They, they're vested in the fans. So when you get it, you understand that. The other group of fans is just, well, we didn't win. We were supposed to win. Well, when are we going to win? All they talk about is winning, blah, blah, blah. It's not all, uh, yeah. Do you want to win the cup? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would have loved to be sitting here the next time we come on the air talking about the Stanley Cup 2021 Islanders. But it's not, the, it didn't happen this year. 
it's not always about that. It's, you know, I don't just want to win one cup. I want this team to compete and, and, and be there. I, you know, it's just the, the lack of respect that this organization has had for many years, finally starting to see people notice how good this team is. And, and to me, that's more important that we establish ourselves as a winning culture. And I'm not, you know, yeah, what, again, would I like to have won? Absolutely. But you know what? You gotta take steps on the way there. And, and I think a real fan understands that point. And doesn't just get pissed off and go on the, on the, on the, uh, boards, the fa- Facebook and all that ranting like lunatics. And, and, you know, now you're going to have the post-mortems of everybody talking about what Barry should have done in game, blah, blah, blah. Who should have been inserted in the lineup? Who should have been put on whose line? Who gives a crap? Okay? It happened. It, it happened the way we were one shot away from tying that game and taking it to overtime and then taking our chances. It didn't happen, but you know what? One nothing is one nothing. So, what would have changed the equation? You could you could drive yourself insane trying to come up with ideas as to, you know, what Barry should have done, who should have been on the ice at a certain time. You don't coach, you don't general manage. Thank God, thank God we have Barry and Lou and not you, because I have more faith in those guys. And, and the decisions that are made by those guys than I have with these armchair or keyboard, you know, coaches and keyboard general managers. And, you know, I've even seen stuff about what the Islanders should have done at the trade deadline. Come on. Really? We're, we're going to go back and start dissecting the trade deadline. I, I just don't get it. You know, just be a fan and support your team and understand the big picture instead of your little, your little cosmos of the world that the Islanders should have won the Stanley Cup this year and it was all or nothing. So there's my rant. <laughs> Damn, you took my thunder. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll echo that a little bit. And again, for those that, are, that don't listen to this show that often, you know, again, we try to really convince people to listen. Um, just to give, for you know, for those that that do listen every month and know us personally, you know, this is going to be a little, uh, a little boredom or a little uh, mundane because you know about us. But to the people that don't know about us, again, John and I are both uh, in our sixth decade of life. Okay, um, we've seen we've seen everything in this sport. Okay. And I will, I admitted it on the radio. I'll admit it again. I grew up at a time where the Islanders didn't exist. And I rooted for a team that's on 33rd and 7th. Um, and I did through the cup era. Okay. Um, you know, I watched my, especially because I was in high school, I watched my fellow Islander fans that I went to high school with, you know, celebrate while the team I was rooting for technically, uh, watched from afar. So I've, I've seen everything. I've seen everything that's gone on in this sport. I have never played. John has never played because people, obviously, that may not know that John has a, a condition where he has not been able to see, so he can't, he can't play either. We have not played. But I feel that in my 50-plus years of living on this planet, I have learned enough about the game and learned enough about the strategies and the nuances and everything that goes into developing players and becoming 
a team that can challenge for championships. I've learned enough about it that I think I can talk about it and not sound, I don't want to say stupid, or sound indifferent, okay? A lot of people that are half our age, John, I would say, I mean, some that aren't, but a good amount of the younger generation, and all due to the world that they live in or the world that they grew up in, you know, with electronics and computers and and the the advancement of statistics. Because when we grew up, when we were watching hockey in the 70s, all you had was goals, assists, points, and penalty minutes. That's it. You didn't have plus minus. Plus minus wasn't a stat that came out until the mid-80s. And it was kind of figured out, you know, going back, but it wasn't a stat. And now you've got so much statistical yeah, stuff was, yeah. that... You know, you, you don't think you don't think with your mind. You don't think with hunches. You just think on numbers. And me being a finance guy, you being a computer person, you know, we do that in our jobs. But you still have to have a a logical frame to base, you know, your comments. And like I said, I don't begrudge anybody's comments. People have a right to say what they want to say. And people have a right to feel what they want to feel. And I, I and, and to some people, I will try to educate them. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, but I'm saying look at it from an aesthetic and rather than a numerical f- standpoint. Do, you know, if this, if this was a perfect situation with Anders Lee being on the ice, if we had Anders Lee here, number one, you wouldn't have Kyle and Travis here. So think about that. But... Yes, well, we have had a great first line, and we did. We did during the season. Anders, uh, Jordan, and Matt were great until Anders got hurt. And, uh, I, you know, you know, people going to say, yo, but why did they put Leo in? Okay, here's where I want to educate. And I'm not – I know that Leo Komarov did not score a goal in the playoffs, that he had one goal the entire year, that, you know – He's got his deficiencies. He's old. He, uh, you know, he doesn't, you know, provide offensive numbers and Corsi and all these other statistics. But the things that certain players do, and this is one of the arguments that you know I've had with Josh Bailey, people haters for years yeah, and years and years. There are there are characteristics in play that you cannot. For any stretch of the imagination, put a number two. Yeah, analytics don't analytics tell a story. don't don't tell the whole story. It's 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 things that people do away from the puck. It's it's situations where you're not necessarily anti antagonizing a player, but you're doing something to take time and space in the benefit of your teammate. And what Leo did, especially in rounds two and three, it wasn't much seen in one, I will say that honestly, with the Pittsburgh series. But late in the Boston series and in the Tampa series, he allowed Matt Barzell, in my honest opinion, to have the time and space to do what Matt Barzell does best, and that's be on his edges and be able to sneak around players and create openings and create opportunities. You can't put a number on it. Nope. I love Oliver Wallstrom. 
Okay? Yeah, and I this is the too. point I'm going to make. And we, we, we talked about this in the car. And you, and you had said, you know, should Oliver Walsh have been on the ice? And my answer to you was, if the situation happened in round one, if, if, if Oliver Wallstrom got hurt and came back in game six or game seven in round one, maybe less in game seven, but more in game six, because of where it was and the importance. Yes, it was important because you were chancing to close a series, okay, or, you know, play for elimination. Because it was early in the, in the rounds, I would say maybe. But when you're talking about a chance for a Stanley Cup, for a kid who's 21 years old, for a kid who's had 25 games of service in the National Hockey League, or 35 games, I'm sorry, 35 games in the National Hockey League, he does not have the, because he was out for four weeks, and yes, was a part of the team, yes, was skating in practices, but was not a part of being live in the center of the action at that time and at that moment, I think it was not. I think it was the best decision Barry made for not putting him in. Right. Because you don't want to mess up the psyche of a kid who's got tremendous talent. By if something happened and a mistake was made on Game Six, which could have cost that team moving to the Stanley Cup Finals. And yes, we lost Game Seven due to a potential too many men on the ice. And, yes, I've seen the replay. I've seen the situation. And I will say honestly right now that that same situation happened to the Islanders at least five or six times in the playoffs. Yeah. That they had the same, the reverse happen to them. It may not have scored a goal, but there was five or six instances that – I know I saw watching the game at the Coliseum on home ice, and I know I saw at least one, and they mentioned on the road broadcast that there were six or seven guys on the ice, you know, or, or you know, more than one player, and there should have been a too many men on the ice called. Okay, it happened. Yes, could that have play have potentially it cost them going to the final, but it could have been called, and it couldn't have been called, but. I've always learned growing up playing baseball and playing other team sports is you don't, despite what happens, the referees aren't going to control the game. You control the game. Right. That, that was my point. Ant- Anthony Beauvillier hit the post. If that puck went a quarter of an inch lower, the game was 1-1. We were up one nothing. The whole thing could have turned around. What I'm trying to say is that team had every opportunity, and they put everything they had out there on every shift. Yeah, they had 21 blocked shots. Exactly. They put their lives on the line. Granted, should they could they have had more shots? Yeah. Tampa Bay, Ryan McDonough was, 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 was absolutely brilliant blocking shots. He was fantastic. You know, former Ranger, everybody's going to say, oh, you're making, you're, you're like making nice about a Ranger, former Ranger. I don't care. Who cares? He's played a Tampa Bay played a terrific right. Tampa Bay can't, game. Can't. And the Islanders, in my honest opinion, played a terrific 99% game. 99% of the time, they would have won that game. I really think they would have won that game. You played against a world, the number one goaltender in the world, in my opinion, which you did not play against Boston and against Pittsburgh. 
You play goaltending that was not there, not to the same level of Andre Vasilevsky. No question about it. Oh, yeah. And you did everything you could have done. All right, do you have every right to, you know, say what you're going to say about about the Kamaros and the Zajax and and why wasn't Wallstrom in and all that? Yes, you have every right to say it, and and I will just respectfully disagree. Was it the reason they was it the reason they lost? No, the reason they lost was Tampa Bay was the better team. All right, that's what it comes down. That's to. That's what it comes down to. Tampa Bay was the better team, and they did one thing better than we did. And that's the way, that's the way it goes. But I am still so happy to be an Islander fan, and that's what Andrew said, and what he was telling everybody. Um, you know, things are things are going to be better. Um, well, we got our first caller, and let's see uh, what they feel about us. Mark is on WGBB Sports Talk. Mark, uh, it's Gary and John here. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. You guys talking Islanders? We yes. are. You know, I, I, one question uh, that, that I just d- didn't understand. How come they never, how come Trotz never uh, played Wallstrom in the last game or two against? Well, we were just discussing know, that. We were, just, we were just talking about that. And I mean, I mean he could have even used the excuse of giving Zajac a rest, an older player. And, you know, I, was, I went to the games. He, he, he was slowing down as that Tampa Bay series went on. I mean, you know, he was very good in the Boston series, I thought, for what he brings to the table. But, but like, why wouldn't they play Wallstrom, like, to give the power play a boost? He is a big body. I don't get it. it I, if, if Wallstrom did not get hurt, okay, here's, here's my thought process. And he was playing every game throughout the Pittsburgh and the Boston series and was engaged. Okay, you're talking. You're talking the playoffs. To meet the, you know, if 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 it's game 45 of the regular season, I can see you know bringing him back in and trying to gain his confidence back. But to a 21 year old player, and again, his talent is tremendous. I love I love this kid. I absolutely yeah. love this kid. But to me, in my and again, you might you might have missed it, you know, in the five minutes before we were talking. At that stage, at that juncture. I, I think it's I think it's a horrible situation to put a kid with little little playoff experience in. And that's just that's just my honest opinion. I, I I just respectfully disagree and 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 think that that's not a you know if he played every game there wouldn't there, we wouldn't have a discussion. He'd be he'd be going through all those emotions and being engaged and being involved. But being out for those three weeks. Throwing I think him, that's, that yeah. throwing him throwing in there, other, it's, it, it could have had a detrimental effect on his career. Like Gary was saying, God forbid he made a play where he coughed up the puck and cost him a goal, you know, or, you know, did one of his famous, you know, rocket shots that, you know, deflects off the backboard, comes back out and creates a two on one or a three on one back the other way, and it cost him a game. That's gonna, that's gonna hurt his con, his, you know, his confidence and his psyche. You know, I, I just think you gotta go, you gotta go with experience and Zajac, you know, maybe he was slowing down, whatever, but you can't, sometimes you can't beat experience in, in those types of situations. Wallstrom's gonna be a tremendous player. Oh yeah, he's gonna be there. He's He's gonna gonna be there. You know, he's gonna be there. What do you think? What did we lose you? I think we lost him. We just lost him, he's gone. Again, this is, you know, I, I totally understand what he what he feels. Yeah, I mean, no, I do too. I I get it. But I get it. I I trust 
what the coach again. You know, John, you know, I I covered the team for a couple of years. You know, having this GBB privilege allowed me to actually get to work games. You got to actually come and work a game. Yep. Um, it's a different atmosphere. What you see in the locker room, what what the average fan does not see and does not hear, and what we hear in the press box that that you don't hear and you don't see, and I just know. That I trust, I trust the brain trust more than I trust you and me because yeah. we have those similar opinions. But, but he must have had his reasons, and and you know, and Barry, you know, maybe eventually he may, you know, spill his hand, but he's not going to tell, he's not going to tell the media, especially as it's going on, that you know, he's got his reasons and he just doesn't feel comfortable putting the pressure on that kid you know after being out you know if it was a regular season yeah put him back in jump him back in the fire because it's not you know that game may not affect but when you got a season on the line yeah it's different yeah no i just don't see that and people are going to disagree with me and that's fine you're more than entitled to it but you know especially to the younger crowd and the younger fans i i've i've seen it all in my Literally fifty plus years watching watching hockey, and I know my friend Steve on the boards feels exactly the same way I do. And people that have that have really followed the game, and really are students of the game, you gotta you gotta read them and listen to and listen to what they tell you, because they they've seen it. It's getting past the emotion, and emotion, you know, and it's you, you have a right to feel what you feel, but sometimes you got to take a step back, and you got to look at the proverbial big picture and. As a fan, sometimes that's not easy. And I guess maybe because, for me, it's tempered by the fact that I do this radio show, that I try to take a step back and, and kind of see it from not the emotional, you know, solely the emotional perspective. But I'm still a fan at heart. And, you know, as I said, I'm still stinging from the lost yep. Friday. It's not, it's not easy. And just looking at it from, you know, and looking at it from next year's standpoint, okay, you've got... You know, we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens when free agency and the expansion draft and everything happens. And hopefully Lou does his magic and hopefully keeps as much of this team back as you can. But you've got a healthy Anders Lee. You've got a healthy Oliver Wallstrom with a year of experience. And as we said in the car, and if he's, he, he's still here, you've got a kid named Kiefer Bellows who at times was brilliant, but at times just didn't get it. And that's typical for a 21-year-old kid. Right. And they take time to develop something. And it's going to develop. You got, um, you got Noah Dobson, who at times had a fantastic season and at times looked like a little puppy dog lost. And I think this playoffs gave him even more experience. And I think he's going to get a bigger role next year. So you've got... A lot of good things on the horizon, and there's not a doubt in my mind that this team will compete for the division title next year. Yep. There's no question. If, if all things remain healthy, this team will compete. This team will do very well. This team will maybe have another run, and God, God help us, I hope it does. But the bottom line, what we're trying to say, and, 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 and again, I'll, I'll say it again, I... 
I totally feel what Mark and a lot of other fans felt on Twitter and Facebook. I totally get it. You know, deep down inside, I'm saying, yeah, you know, we, although we were, as after the first two rounds, the most offensive scoring team in the playoffs, you know, we lacked it against Tampa. We didn't lack it because we weren't trying and we weren't putting goals in. We lacked because Tampa is just as good of a team as la- as the team that won the Stanley Cup last right. year. Right. Well, the they are a solid defensive defense. team, yep. an all-world goaltender, and a solid four-line team. You know, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the um, the guys on NBC Sports Network were saying it's almost two identical teams, except yes, you have a Kucherov and a Stamkos, and a little bit more offensive firepower than the Islanders do. But I'm not putting Oliver Wallstrom in the same sentence as Nikita Kucherov or Steven Stamkos. He is not at that level, not yet. Yeah, he has the potential. Will he? Will he? There's a very good possibility he will be, because he's got some hands, but. He's not there yet. And putting him in that situation, could it have happened? Yeah, maybe it could have happened. But you know what? I wouldn't bet on the hunch. I I think Barry did the right thing with him. Um, We're going to find out. I I really think that Pajot was hurt. And I think he's going to, And from the sounds of it, I just think he's going to have some kind of surgery coming up soon. We're hearing that Varlamov might have surgery soon. You know, that there's talk about that. Um, you know, it's typical in the playoffs that you get guys that are banged up. And number one, they may not tell the, the coaching staff. They may not tell the training staff. They find out afterwards. You know, oh, I was playing. You know, uh, Alec Martinez of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights was playing with a broken foot for two series. Jeez. Two series, not one, two. Yeah. So that yeah. tells you, guys are going to play hurt. And they're going to tell the coach, "Don't you change? Don't you take me out? I'm playing." Hockey, hockey, hockey. It's it, so much different. It, again, it's a different beast. You know, you don't you don't see guys in the NBA saying, "I'm you know I'm going to play," like that. You know, not with not with hurt injuries like like hockey players yeah. have. Baseball, forget it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we we're talking about the Met Hospital going yeah. on in, in in Flushing right now, but uh, um, we got one hour in the books. Um, when we come back, we will take a call. Again, give us a call, 516-63-1240. We want to discuss what's going on in Islander country. You know, we're pain, we're hurt, but you know what? We'll get through it. Um, we'll take your calls. Again, 930, Paul Kreischer from Alistock. We'll talk about what's happening next year. Gary and John, one hour in the books, one hour to go. Please come back. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.